Hello, this is Ricky Jones and Jonathan Dorst once again with our podcast from Sunday to Monday. Good morning, Jonathan. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. And, and it is Monday. It's two o'clock on Monday. It's the first time we've done one on Monday in a long time. So <laughs> yes, that's good. And thank you for correcting me already. So today we're going to record a couple of podcasts and uh, release them out on the next few Mondays uh, while I take some time off and recharge and. Uh, so that's going to be fun. What are we going to talk about first, John? We are doing what I call a brazen self-promotion It's podcast. brazen self-promotion day. All right. Yes, yes it is, because we both have big things happening this week. And we'll start with you. Ricky, what do you have releasing this week? Well, um, Wednesday afternoon, you will be able to buy my book, uh, Too Good to Be True, on Amazon. It's coming out. It's already available in Kindle forms, but it will be... Uh, available in paperback format uh, Wednesday afternoon or Wednesday morning. And if you supported me, I had a lot of support to write this book. Uh, a lot of friends helped me out. And so if you uh, supported me on Kickstarter, you should be getting yours in the mail uh, by Friday. I'm going to put those in the mail just the second I get them. So they should be coming in on Wednesday or Thursday. So I'm very excited about it. Um, I got the idea for the title. The title is a little odd, throw some people off because the title is too good to be true. Mm-hmm. And um, some people are asking, well, why would you name your book that? Uh, isn't the gospel true? And it sounds like it's not true. But the reason why I named it that, I was uh, preaching at a pretty big uh, conference two summers ago. And the topic was was uh, John 17, the, the union we have with Christ. And uh, John 17, if, if you're not familiar with it, Jesus is, uh, at the end of his life, he's about to be arrested. He's, it's his last meal with the disciples, and he begins to pray, and the disciples write down what he prays. And He says this fascinating thing. He says, uh, Father, I've done your will. I've done everything you've given me to do. Uh, I just ask one thing, and, and so you're really, you know, you're, you're built up. You're ready. He's going to ask for something amazing, and you know he's going to get whatever he asks for. Mm-hmm. And he says, what I want is for all the people who have believed in me to be with me where I am. He says, I want them to be with us, just like I am in you and you are in me. I want them to be together in us. And I just thought that was so fascinating that if Jesus could have anything, the Son of God, second person of the Trinity, could have anything he wanted, and what he wanted was us. And I just found that so overwhelming that, um, you know, I preached on how, how wonderful that is and really challenged people, you know, do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus wants you? Yes. Do you believe that God wants to be with you? And after that, I finished preaching, a friend of mine who's in his 50s came up to me and he said, I had tears in his eyes, and he said, thank you so much. He said, I never miss church. I'm in church every week. And I cannot remember the last time I heard the gospel preached and thought, that's too good to be true. Yeah. And when he said that, I was just thought, you know, if we really understand, if we have even a, a glimpse of how amazing it is that the God of everything wants to be with us, wants to be with us so badly that he would give his son for us, that, that's the only correct response. That's yeah. just too good to be true. Yeah. And, uh, and so I, I think, you know, I wrote it for people who grew up hearing the gospel uh, I wrote for people who grew up around the church, but still don't really trust Christ. I don't 
Don't trust God. Uh, there's a, a great quote from Soren Kierkegaard. He says, uh, he, he's talking about what's the worst thing for a child. And he said, the worst thing for a child is not to have a father who's a free thinker or an atheist. He says, the worst thing for a child is to grow up with a father who claims to believe in God but still doesn't trust him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think that really describes a lot of evangelicals today. Yeah. We we believe in God. But we think He's uh, as as the musician you listen. What, what's and, uh, Andrew Peterson? Andrew Peterson said we, we think of God as the the policeman in the rearview mirror. He's just looking for an excuse to pull us over. Yeah. And uh, I really I wrote that this book very specifically for that subgroup for the people who grow up hearing the gospel but don't get it, don't believe that God is for them, and uh, it's very. A section of it's autobiographical, kind of tells my story yeah. uh, of how I got called into the ministry and how the Lord made His grace more clear to me. And then it's all my best stories. Yeah. So. Good. Well, uh, I'm going to play the part of investigative journalist a little bit. Okay. Another book about the gospel. We have a gospel-centered revolution in publishing and conferences, do we need another book about the gospel? Why did you write this one? What's, I, what's different about this one? Um, I wrote it because I did not have a book that I could hand to people that would communicate this. Uh, there's a lot of books about the gospel, you know, the gospel and racial reconciliation, the gospel and marriage, the gospel and child raising, the gospel and church planting, uh, defending the gospel, apologetics. Uh, mm-hmm. But as far as just having a book that I felt like I could put into people's hands and say, okay, this is the gospel. It's not about it. It is the yeah. gospel. I, I didn't have one I could use. And, and so that's why I wrote it. Um, and so I, that's, that's why I feel like we need it. I do feel like we needed it. I don't feel like there is another book yeah. that gets at the heart of this. Um, and so it's just kind of my redneck take on, uh, on what the gospel is. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited about reading it. I'm sure I've heard a number of the stories, but I think you have a great ability to to communicate big truths in a way that uh, most people can easily understand, and and in a way that that grabs people and, and answers some of their deepest questions. So I hope so. I uh, I did grow up, you know, in a country uh, part of the country. Uh, rural country community, and um, one of the things that really encouraged me to write it was right after I'd announced it, uh, a friend of mine got on Facebook, and uh, and she said, I've only read two books in my life, I've only read one book in my life, and I want Ricky's to be the second. And uh, so it is, there's nothing theological in it, nothing philosophical, I don't think there's anything in there that uh, just a person of average intelligence, education, would have any struggle with. Uh, I want it to be just as clear as, as possible. So that, that was my goal. Good. This is your first book? First book and probably my last book, unless uh, unless it becomes overwhelmingly popular and I become rich and a celebrity, in which case I'll start writing one a year. But. Yes. So then, yeah, the big question, are you going to become a celebrity pastor jerk? Well, I'm already two of those three, so <laughs> we'll see if the celebrity comes, and I'll... Uh, I'll trust you to uh, to be my, my sanctifying Jiminy Cricket if that's, I do. That's part of my job, isn't it? Okay, good. And you're good at it. You're good at it. Any other questions about that before we uh, 
No. All right. Well, what's up? Where, where can I get the book? On you can get the book on Amazon.com. It's already available. Um, it is already available on, uh, as a Kindle book, but it will be available in paperback this week. And I, I wrote it for churches to buy and to give away. It's a pretty short read. It's a short read. It's a two-hour read, 120 pages. It's the exact same length as the Prayer of Jabez. And so I'm hoping Perfect. that I, I'm hoping everybody read the Prayer of Jabez will buy this book and maybe get fixed. So, um, <laughs> sorry, maybe I should take that out of the tape. Um, but, um, yeah, so it's a short read. It's a book for people to give away. Uh, if you buy it from Amazon, it's about $10. But if you want to... You know, order ten copies to give away to your friends. Then uh, email me. Uh, you can email me at info at riveroakstulsa dot com, and I will send them to you for two dollars and fifty cents a copy uh, plus postage. What is so, it? I'm not making any profit off that. Jesus and I have talked about this book a lot, and uh, I've decided that he wants. He's made clear to me that he wants me to give away as many as possible. So <laughs> it's not it's not a tool that he's going to make to make me rich. So that's good. That'd be good. All right, well, what are you excited about this week? Well, this week, well, first of all, I get to preach while you're on vacation, so I'm excited about that. But I'm also starting this Wednesday night, uh, same day your book releases, a uh, four-week class on arts and culture in the church. And um, I've been calling it Kermit the Frog and Jesus, but I think I'm going to change it to Rembrandt, Mm. Kermit the Frog and Jesus. Why Um, Kermit the Frog? I, I came across a great clip art of Kermit the Frog on a stained glass <laughs> and just I just wanted to communicate we're gonna be talking about popular culture mm-hmm. and stuff people know about. But I don't want to communicate it's just about the Muppets. It's about <laughs> it's about the the class is going to be hopefully introductory. Um we'll get deep in parts, but I think it'll be pretty um pretty introductory on things like just arts and culture. What what is culture and uh and how how can Christians be a part of culture um, without being what the Bible might condemn as worldly? Um, what what role do Christians play in the arts? How do Christian parents, how can Christian parents help their kids navigate the waters of, of arts and culture? And um, so, and we'll talk a little bit about historically what the church has done and where we are and and what I think is maybe a good way forward in thinking about arts and culture. This is something I'm very passionate about. As you know, I've uh, I've spent 20 years reading and thinking about these issues. I'm a classical guitarist. Uh, I'm, I've started a film master's online and, and, uh, and just I love it. It's my Probably my biggest hobbies. So, what would you say are the what would you say are the biggest pitfalls when a Christian is trying to uh, engage in culture and, and learn and become cultured? What do you what do you see as the pitfalls they need to avoid? Yeah, well, I think that's a great question. The first is I think you need a Christian needs to get a good grounding in Scripture hmm. about first of all who God is and uh, and. And what the church is, and who we are as people, and then, and then I think a, a Christian needs to really learn hmm. about culture and about art, and not think, you know, I've watched a few movies or you know, gone to an art museum, and now I'm an expert <laughs> in this area. Um, but to actually sit and to 
to read widely about it before you really start to talk about it. Um, and so, cause I think that's a problem that, that we often make. Um, we, we get into it and like, Oh, I've discovered arts and culture. I'm gonna write a book about it. And there's a lot of not great books, hmm. um, that have been written by Christians over the years. But I think we're getting a lot of really good stuff that actually is being written. Um, I think we still have a long way to go in <laughs> Christians making movies. Um, making movies is a lot harder than it looks. It is a lot harder. And, uh, and there's a lot more that needs to be thought about. And hopefully some Christians, I know, I know some Christians that are laying some good foundations there and hopefully in the future, you know, get some good stuff. But I, I think that was great. That's good. Okay. So what, uh, what, what's a, what's a favorite book on the topic? I think my favorite book on arts and culture is a book called Popologetics. Popologetics? What? Popologetics. Okay. Like apologetics, but talking about pop culture. Hmm. And um, it was written by a, a guy I had for a class in seminary named uh, Ted Turnow. Hmm. And it's he's a brilliant guy, but he's also a guy that loves you know Japanese manga or, <laughs> and uh, and just loves That's hilarious. pop. My also. kid was just telling me the other day that if you're talking to someone who corrects you when you're if you're referring to anime or manga, then uh, you need to end the conversation. So he's in it. He's into it, huh? <laughs> yes. Well, and he has a PhD from Westminster, and he's a brilliant guy. But this book is very readable, and um, it's not real academic, although tons of footnotes you can you know he's read very widely. But he he just. I think he he puts the topics and issues pretty simply out there and, and does a good job in talking about how why we should be thinking about culture and about pop culture. What are the benefits and what are the what are the dangers? And um, you know, he, he was the one who introduced to me in a class a long time ago um, just this idea that we're always, all people are going to be, uh, need to be thinking about the common grace in culture. What is mm-hmm. true, even uh, outside of the church, outside of the Christian subculture, what is true out there? Because all truth is God's truth. Mm-hmm. That's what common grace is. But also idolatry. Mm. What is idolatrous? Which, of course, is also true for in, inside the church and in the Christian subculture, but also outside of uh, the Christian subculture. There's idolatry and common grace in everything we mm-hmm. come across because we have idolatry in our own hearts. And uh, and so he does a great job of, of starting, I think, people on, on those paths of becoming more discerning about what you watch and how you talk about and interact with culture. Hmm. What do you, who do you see as kind of the, uh, the icons of, of people who got it right? Christians uh, who were making cultural combination, uh, sorry, Christians who were making cultural contributions and then got it right. Yeah, I think Francis Schaeffer was starting to. I mean, more of a modern era. Era. Mm-hmm. Um, Francis Schaeffer in the sixties and seventies was coming up with. I mean, he was writing books and, and just way ahead of his time in the in the church. Um, understanding postmodernism. Hmm. Um, now there's a lot of criticism about Schaefer of, of where he ended up and, and some things he got involved with, but I think he wrote some great stuff. 
Um, you know, I think Christianity today on a pretty popular level actually is doing a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a great, one of their editors, Andy Crouch, has written some good stuff about mm-hmm. how we as Christians need to be making cultural um, forms and using yeah. cultural forms and making making culture mm-hmm. and not just always thinking about it and mm-hmm. judging it. Mm-hmm. Um, one of his critiques of the church is that we're always just thinking about worldview and, mm-hmm. and critiquing uh, the world or, or culture when we need to be contributing. Yeah. And the Bible calls us. Yeah. God is the original artist. God is the one who's giving a, given us artistic gifts. And then I think Christianity also has some, uh, got a film reviewer named Alyssa Wilkinson, who's their main film reviewer. And she's just a very thoughtful mm-hmm. Christian reviewer. Who, uh, who is becoming well-respected on a national level, I think. You know, what's interesting to me is it seems like on a, uh, I'm just choosing words here, on a high cultural level yeah. or um, historically cultural level, you know, art, um, music, you know, like opera or uh, classical music, um, you know, Christianity's always been well-represented. You think of Rembrandt, Absolutely. you think of Bach. Um, feel free to throw out other names that uh, <laughs> occur to you. Uh, Henry Oswald Tanner, um, uh, writers, you know, such as John Locke and uh, Jonathan Edwards and uh, uh, Nathaniel Hawthorne, mm-hmm. uh, just come to mind without absolutely no thought. Shakespeare? Probably. Uh, okay. <laughs> Definitely Christian themes. Um, but pop culture doesn't seem like it's had a real heavy Christian influence. Do you have any just off the top of your head? I've got a reason off the top of my head, but I'd like to hear your contribution first. Why don't you start and then I'll... Well, one of the things I was thinking, now this may be too simplistic, but... This may be too simplistic, but I do think the pop in pop culture kind of reduces it. Pop being just meaning popular, right? Mm-hmm. It's, what, it's what the masses want. And it seems like when you're producing for the masses, you're producing for the lowest common denominator. Yeah. I mean, to, to use a crass example, you know, there are, there are jokes that only certain intellectual elites would get. There's jokes that only people with a certain jargon would get. But everybody laughs at someone getting hit in the crotch, you know. And so everybody laughs at, uh, you know, uh, America's home videos. And so there's kind of a lowest common denominator effect, you know. And it seems like when you're looking at pop culture, when you're hearing the songs, you know, they're all about uh, – if you you took them seriously, they would all be about just sex and drunkenness, it seems like. Um, And that goes across the scale. That's country. That's pop. That's rap. Um, I don't know. It just seems like there's a lowest common denominator that makes it easier. That's just easier to sell that. I don't know if that's fair or not. What do, what do you think? Yeah, I think that's there's definitely truth in that. Um, I think I think also the church has just been afraid of mm-hmm. the pop culture w- world because of those um, those themes, because of that lowest common denominator, and uh, the fear that if people if if young people in the church get into pop culture they're going to automatically mm. mimic it yeah 
rather than be able to learn from it, be able to see uh, the hurting people. Yeah, and, and that's and that's definitely part of our American history. You know, the uh, you know from ever since the twenties, really, the, the evangelical church kind of retreated. Yes, and and wanted to form their own subculture instead of uh, being evangelistic and leavening the culture. And I think you know, to some degree, we may underestimate the influence of Christians out there who are simply living out the you know Sermon on the Mount. They're not they're not being public about their faith, but they are uh, you know representing Christ. And there's a lot of absolutely a lot of great movies that get made by people that uh, you know you later find out are believers. Right. Um, I think there's a lot of believers in Pixar, from what I hear, but mm-hmm. I don't know for sure. Of course, yeah, but. there are, um, and I think in popular music, you know, you think about the blues and jazz and folk. I think mm-hmm. there have been a lot of African American musicians mm. who were were Christians, but were not labeled right as Christians. Johnny a Cash, of, a lot of folk artists, yeah who just making music about life mm-hmm. and about you know what they experience and it didn't get labeled as Christian. Yeah, but, but it's good and it's lasted. Yeah. Yeah. More than just Bono. More than just Bono. But not less. Uh, Bono's definitely had his had his place as well. Yeah. So. Well, cool. So when does your uh, class start? It starts this Wednesday night, which is the 13th. Yes. At 7 o'clock, and uh, it's going to be four weeks. We're going to meet at the, the lobby of the church. And Is everybody invited, or is it just for River Everybody's Oaks? invited. Anybody can come. Um, it's, it's all ages, and Great. it's just going to be hopefully fun. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of fun. I'm really glad you're doing it, and uh, I, I, think, I hope a lot of people will come. All right, so those are the uh, the shameless self promotion is over. Yes. Jonathan's class, Kermit the Frog, Rembrandt, Brandt, and and Jesus. And Jesus. There's the, the new Trinity: Kermit, Rembrandt, and Jesus. Uh, just kidding, that's not the new Trinity. Uh, and uh, and that starts Wednesday night at seven p.m. And then my book, Too Good to Be True, which will be available Thursday on Amazon.com. Uh, I hope you uh, will be blessed by them both. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll be back next week.